Section 101 of Italy, France, Spain, and Portugal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adam Santoni. The World's Story, Volume 5, Italy, France, Spain, and Portugal. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 101. The Elopement of Ferdinand and Isabella, 1469, by John S. C. Abbott. The nobles of Henry the Fourth of Castile were determined to put his sister Isabella upon the throne. Finally, a treaty was made at the Bulls of Jusanda, by which Henry was to hold the throne for life, but Isabella was to be proclaimed his heir. She had already been harassed by undesirable suitors, and it was provided in the treaty that although she must not marry without her brother's consent, she should not be forced into any marriage against her will. As the accepted heiress of the united thrones of Castile and Leon, Isabella was now looked upon as a great matrimonial prize. Among those who sought her hand, with its firm grasp upon the treasures of the two kingdoms, was Richard, Duke of Gloucester, brother of Edward the Fourth of England, and later, Richard the Third of England. The Duke of Guienne, heir to the French throne, was only too willing to join Castile and Leon to France. Isabella was only eighteen, but she was a young lady who knew her own mind, and she proposed to carry her double crown to Aragon and nowhere else. The Editor Isabella was quite disposed to consult her own inclinations and her own sagacious judgment in the choice of a husband, and she turned her eyes to her kinsman, Ferdinand of Aragon. The union of these two contiguous realms would indeed constitute a magnificent kingdom, homogeneous in language, manners, and religion. Ferdinand was also young, very handsome, of noble bearing, and decidedly chivalric in character, just the man to win an aspiring maiden's love. But nothing in this world ever goes smoothly. The most successful life is made up of but a series of stern conflicts. An influential portion of the nobles espoused the cause of the infant Joanna. They appealed to the Pope for aid, and in the night nailed up against the door of Isabella's palace a protest against her claims. At the same time another party appeared, demanding the hand of Isabella for Alfonso, the widowed king of Portugal, and it was proposed to secure the support of Henry for this alliance by marrying Joanna to the son and heir of the Portuguese monarch. The king of Portugal was, of course, eager to annex Castile to his throne. He accordingly, encouraged by the nobles of Castile, dispatched a very imposing embassy with the Archbishop of Lisbon at its head to make another attempt to secure Isabella for his bride. But he was decidedly rejected. Henry, goaded by his partisans, was much annoyed, and threatened to imprison his unyielding sister in the royal fortress at Madrid. But the citizens at Ocaña, where she then resided, rallied around her for her protection. The utmost enthusiasm was inspired in her behalf. Even the boys paraded the streets with banners emblazoned with the arms of Aragon, and singing songs contemptuously contrasting the old king of Portugal with the youth and chivalry of Ferdinand. The Archbishop of Toledo, who was almost the rival of the king in wealth and power, entered warmly into the interests of Isabella and Ferdinand. The king was a man naturally good-natured and more interested in his own sensual enjoyments than anything else. He would probably have left his sister to her inclinations had he not been urged onward by the haughty Marquis of Villena, who had attained an entire ascendancy over his weak mind. With these two factions it now became a struggle for power. Ferdinand would lavish the regal gifts of office upon the bishop and his friends. The king of Portugal, on the contrary, would rally around his throne the Marquis and his followers. 
As Henry had now violated unscrupulously the Treaty of the Bulls of Jusanda, Isabella considered herself released from its obligations and immediately, without consulting her brother any further, accepted the proffered hand of Ferdinand. The marriage articles were signed on the 7th of January, 1469. Isabella was aided in these movements by the absence of her brother and the Marquis of Villena, they both having been called to the south to suppress an insurrection. She removed her residence from Ocaña to Madrigal, where, aided by a mother's sympathy, she was more favorably situated for the conduct of her important negotiations. The Marquis of Villena, however, kept a constant spy upon her, and alarmed by the progress she was making in her plans, ordered with the concurrence of the king a troop of horse under the Archbishop of Sevilla to proceed to Madrigal and arrest her. Isabella, informed of her peril, succeeded in communicating with the Archbishop of Toledo when he precipitately rallied a regiment of dragoons and advanced to Madrigal with such speed as to anticipate the Marquis. The placid yet determined maiden was borne off in military triumph to Valladolid, where her arrival was greeted with unbounded enthusiasm by the whole population. Ferdinand was then residing at Saragossa in Aragon, about two hundred miles east of Valladolid. It was now the great object of the king to prevent Ferdinand from entering Castile to marry Isabella. The king of Aragon was so sorely pressed by a war with some of his insurgent nobles, and his treasury was so exhausted that he could not afford his son an armed escort sufficient to secure his safety. Ferdinand adopted the resolution to go in disguise as a merchant, diverting the attention of Henry by making very ostentatious preparations to accompany a public embassy from the court of Aragon to that of Castile. The small party of half a dozen merchants started on their adventurous expedition, Ferdinand assuming the dress and position of a servant, grooming the mules and serving at table. To avoid observation, they traveled mostly by night. With great vigilance, and amidst a thousand perils, they pressed on their way, greatly embarrassed by losing one night at an inn the purse which contained all their money. At length they were met by an escort sent by Isabella for their protection. On the ninth of October, Ferdinand reached Duenas in Leon, where a large party of Castilian nobles, the friends of Isabella, with their retainers, were assembled to welcome him. The young prince, surrounded by such defenders, was now safe. Isabella, with her little court, was a few miles distant at Valladolid. Communications immediately passed between them, and on the evening of the fifteenth of October, Ferdinand, accompanied by but four attendants, rode privately from Duenas de Valladolid, where he was received by the Archbishop of Toledo and conducted to the presence of Isabella. The young prince was exceedingly handsome, but seventeen years of age, tall, fair, and with an intellectual expanded brow. He was well educated, temperate in all his habits, of courtly manners, and so devoted to useful activity that business seemed to be his pleasure. Isabella was eighteen years of age, a beautiful blonde, of queenly figure, exquisitely chiseled features, and with mild blue eyes. She was, says a contemporary, the handsomest lady whom I ever beheld, and the most gracious in her manners. Isabella was a highly educated woman for that day, speaking the Castilian language with much grace and purity, and quite well versed in the current learning of those times. After a brief lover's interview of two hours, Ferdinand returned at midnight to Duenas. Preparations were immediately made for the marriage, and their nuptials were solemnized at the palace of one of the nobles in Valladolid on the morning of the 19th of October, 1469. Ferdinand, having left home in disguise, and having lost his slender purse, by the way, had not a copper. 
isabella also a fugitive from her brother's court was equally unprepared for the expenses of the wedding they however without difficulty borrowed the sums which were necessary and with splendor moderately conforming to their rank in the presence of several of the highest of the nobility and about two thousand spectators the lifelong destinies of ferdinand and isabella were united for a week valladolid resounded with merry-making the illuminations rendered the night as brilliant as the day an embassy was sent to henry the fourth soliciting his approbation of the match and repeating their assurances of loyalty the king received the embassage very coldly and replied i must consult with my ministers end of section one hundred and one